We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, how we doing? Ivy Nation Sports Talk is up and rolling. Glad to have you with us. It's a mailbag night tonight. See, and it is it is 6.03, and I can always rely on Salty. He said, Sean surprised me last night with his start time, but I wasn't sure if it would stick. Kind of like Indy's UNC performance level stick. I'm sensing a Sports Talk backslide. I just want to say, you know... Because I saw, you know, people sitting in here, hey, the dean is going to be here tonight. And, of course, the dean of students, Vince D'Addario, is going to be here. So, you know, we all have to be willing to to take the blame when blame is due, I guess, right? So I was sitting here, Salty and, and everyone else, you know, and we got Salty, let's go. Sometimes it's my fault, as I have said before. Sometimes it is other people's. And I put Vince in a timeout before letting him <laughs> in tonight because we would have started right on time. I was True. sitting here ready to go. And and finally, I text, you know, the, when the, we've got like a little pre-show countdown and that hit zero. And I'm like, um, you haven't been on this week, Vince. Are you ready to go or what? Here he is in his plaid shirt, ready to go now. <laughs> I, I, guilty as charged. And uh, yeah, it was 100% my fault. A lot of stuff going on. And uh I'm not even going to say what I was doing because that that's just, okay. It's not, that's okay. It's not appropriate. But uh, at the same time, this is the part I look forward to most in my day. It was a long day today, Sean, and this is I'm sure what I have been looking forward to all day long. So I'm fired up, man. <laughs> and salty, I, you know, I take it. You know, I, you know, like I can dish it out. I can take it as yeah, well. That's right. Vince, Vince knows this. You know, we all know this. You know we're, we're we're having fun, and I'm glad that uh, I'm glad you're here with us. I'm glad everyone is. And by the way, if you're down there, I mean, if you're in Western Florida, I guess right now, your odds are you're not watching this show. <laughs> you know, and obviously our our thoughts are with everyone who's down there. I have you seen any of that video today, Ben? I've from just down there snippets, like little bits and pieces, not enough to be educated, but it does not look good. No, it does not. And I just saw a video of like some guy who looked like he was standing in a hallway with one of those like steel security doors, you know, that lead to an outside of the building and the door imploded. And apparently the guy is okay, but the door imploded because of the water and water came gushing in. And I've seen, there was another video I saw or a picture of like someone who was in the upstairs of their house looking down the stairwell with water gushing in their front door and man it just that hurricane region down there man it it is it is unforgiving you know so uh, hopefully everyone's hopefully everyone's safe and doing okay down there we're thinking about you right now well this is uh apropos because we just got a super chat here from ast12321 says ib fam prayers for from uh for the 239 naples florida i made it out Fine, riding the storm out, but a lot of people here didn't. Keep them in your prayers if you can. So, number one, thank well, number one, we are keeping them in our prayers. There's no doubt about that. And number two, sure. and a distant number two, thank you for the super chat. Really appreciate that. But uh, thanks for bringing that up and thanks for the super chat. But we are definitely thinking about everybody down there. No doubt about that. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
well, I guess we will go ahead and get started. We've got a lot of questions already rolling nice. in right now. And um, hit that like button, subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff. Vince, you keep an eye on uh, the questions coming in. I've got a bunch of them starred up Beautiful. and ready to go. And right I haven't even now. looked at any of them, so this is all going to be off, <laughs> off the cuff, baby. I'm ready. I know. Woo, woo. I know. I'll just jump right in with this one. God Country Notre Dame Barbecue. Between Eli Ooh. Raritan and Tobias Merriweather, who gets more targets through the final eight games of Notre Dame season? Well, I'll tell you what. I mean, based on based on forced depth chart, I'm going <laughs> to go with Eli Raritan because – you know, he's automatically on the field because Kevin Bauman got hurt, right? Yeah. And, you know, we saw a cameo appearance by, appearance by Tobias Merriweather a couple of games ago. I don't remember seeing him get in the North Carolina game. I could be wrong. I think he did. But, it, you know, it's easier to tell that stuff when you're in person. And since, you know, we weren't there and we were watching it on TV with everybody else, I didn't see him get in the game. So I feel like we've taken a step backwards from the baby step forward that we took you know, two games ago. So, you know, based on available evidence, I'm going to have to go with Eli Raritan on this one. Yeah, I'll be curious to see with this bye week, you know, if anything changes, if, you know, if maybe he elevates his status during this bye week, but they are definitely going with a, you know, pretty mm -hmm. refined group of receivers. We continue to see the same, you know, the same cast Four, of characters five out there. Yeah. And I mean, the snap counts mean, are high. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like Jaden Thomas is out there, you know, like I was reading Brian's, he did a uh, kind of, you know, what needs to happen with the receivers article today at irishbreakdown.com. And I was reading through that and he's right. Like Jaden Thomas is getting a lot of snaps, but he's not getting a lot of targets from yeah, the times that he is on the true. field. And when, you know, when you've got a group of wide receivers who's, you know, out there that much and you're, you're not getting target and, like you said, Merriweather's on the field, and now Kevin Bauman is hurt as well. Now, Mitchell Evans, he could be a change, you know, because Marcus Freeman said Good before point. the bye that, you know, that his health is kind of on the rise. Well, obviously, Bauman is out for the rest of the season with the ACL, so I'll be curious to see if Mitchell Evans kind of cracks that. But as of right now, Eli Raritan, he is doing very well as a blocking tight end, as kind of that second tight end out there for Notre Dame, but yeah. because he's on the field so much more than Tobias Merriweather, I mean, I've got to say him as yeah. of right now. I mean, everyone wants to see um, Merriweather, but we're, you know, like you said, four snaps, I think is about I, it. That we've seen I'm, I'm hoping the bye week changes some things that we've seen from a rotation standpoint, not only at wide receiver, but like linebacker, for example, I'm, I'm hoping the bye week kind of updates and changes some things, but I, I guess I, I'm going to have to be, uh, if I see it, I'll believe it kind of a situation up to this point since we've seen four games and nothing has really changed a whole lot from a personnel standpoint. Right, right. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And Blake 
kind of following up on that, Notre Dame definitely needs a third wide receiver. Why do you think the staff hasn't gone in on Merriweather and rotate Watts in? I mean, you know, they're they're going with this, you know, kind of the standard, you know, they can't he can't be trusted right now, doesn't know the whole off, you know, because he doesn't know the whole offense and and that kind of thing. You know, that's that's what they're going. The Watts thing, you know, like this, you know, like you talk about this this the story kind of taking a different direction because I think he got according to pro football focus what I saw 28 snaps the other day on mm. defense you huh. know playing now now granted Ramon Henderson was out you know so you know you could see you know like they the, and because of the fact that they were playing so many DBs and all that kind of stuff you know but Watts ended up getting like 28 snaps and he's got a handful, if at all, snaps at wide receiver yeah, for it, this season. It it is uh it's very surprising to me because I was very excited, and I know I wasn't the only one that was excited about the fact that that Watts was gonna be moved over to offense and he was getting a lot of reps in practice when we were there. And we haven't seen him have a single rep offensively, and yet yeah. he still changed his number from four to twenty-six, and there's been no positive repercussions from that you know what i mean like if you're gonna stay on deep let him have a single digit back you know what i mean like i just i just do not understand the reasoning behind him not being on the field offensively i just it's not like the four or five wide receivers that they've been playing have been knocking it out of the park that there's opportunities for guys that have not seen the field yet and xavier watts is to me the kind of athlete that you would want out on the field so I'm shocked, frankly, and I didn't think he was going to get as many defensive snaps as he has gotten at this point. Yeah, and again, kind of along the same lines, we criticize Kenneth says we criticize brain. He said brain. I don't know if he meant to say brain or if that's just a typo. Yeah. Uh, Brian Kelly for not giving freshman games. Shouldn't we have a pot shot at Marcus Freeman for not playing some excellent freshman talent? Well, I mean, we we are criticizing the current regime by having this conversation in the first place. I mean, I guess we're not, we're not saying, well, Marcus Freeman never plays freshman. So we are criticizing without saying specifically that he never does it. Now we had a much longer window of Brian Kelly to be able to make that blanket statement over the what, 10 or 12 years that he was here Whereas Marcus Freeman has four games plus a bowl game that he wasn't with his staff to make an argument about him. So it's a much smaller sample size. But up to this point, from one position, I have an issue. He is playing freshman in other places. Exactly. And it's the other side of the ball as well. Correct. So I think part of the question becomes, and you know, and I know Tommy Reese has had a lot of fingers pointed at him this year. Some of it justified, some sure. of it, you know, I, it, I don't know how much is justified, but Reese obviously has the connection to Brian Kelly. So, you know, how much of it, what it, we can't say it was all in the past due to Tommy Reese because there were other offensive coordinators who were involved as well. But I guess, does the mindset come from the fact that, you know, he has so much prior experience with Brian Kelly? Like, did some of that bleed into Reese's thinking or right. you know, is it Tommy Reese independent of that? You know, you know, I, I do think that it sounds like there has been a little bit of tug of war between maybe the offensive yeah. coordinator and some position coaches in terms of that philosophy slash mentality, you know, like maybe, maybe the position coach might want to get, you know, the, right. the young guy on the field a little bit more than he can right now. Yeah. I, and, and David Jones, I'll pull this one up because it's, uh, a similar he says isn't that more of a Tommy Reese issue than it is a Marcus Freeman issue since Marcus is letting Tommy run the offense I think I think that is accurate uh, up to this point so I will shoot some criticism towards Marcus Freeman's way whereas at some point he needs to step in and if something's not happening that he wants to happen now maybe he doesn't want it to happen maybe maybe he doesn't care maybe he doesn't see it as an issue right but if he sees something as an issue on the offense then he needs to step in he, he is the head coach he needs to step in and say, hey, Tommy, I appreciate everything you're doing, but you need to get Tobias on the field. I, I And again, perhaps like through this, you know, like how much, how how deep they're going to go into self-scout and, and what directions they want to go in self-scout sure. this week. You know, those are things that, that maybe as the head coach, he has a time to sit back and address more, you know, like if he's, if he's going that deep and he's breaking things down, like, hey, Tommy, you know, why, you know, why aren't we 
doing this. And, you know, he, maybe it gives him more time to look at, at some of those things. Again, you know, we, we, we're not really going to know until they come out and we see what things look like in the next couple of games. I right. Guess. Right. But uh, Thistlemore pottery again, along the same line back to Xavier Watts surprised Watts is getting so many more reps on D than offense. I think we're both surprised. Yes. At that. I I'm actually surprised at the amount of reps that he's getting defensively at this point, because it felt during fall camp that he was kind of buried on the defensive depth chart, which is one of the reasons that they were moving him over to offense because it's, they wouldn't have moved him over if he was starting. Right. And yes. I was like, okay, well, this is an opportunity to get him on the field. And now he's playing a lot more defense than I ever anticipated that he would. And he's playing zero offense. So all of the above, I'm actually kind of surprised about based on the move that they made in the fall. I, it, it's, it shocks me, frankly, because every time we were there at practice, after they made the move, he was practicing with the offense the entire time. Now, we were there at the beginning, and maybe I can't imagine they were doing that to throw us off or you know get something out there or whatever. He did change his number again so that he could play offense because he couldn't be four. Right. Because Lorenzo Styles. Because is Lorenzo four. Styles. I almost said Kevin Austin. We were talking I know, about right? that last night, but yeah. But he changed his number. <laughs> I mean, and he has continued to stay with 26, even though he's only played on defense. So anyway, I he is he's playing well, I think, overall when he's on defense. So he's earned himself some extra playing time. Maybe that's why they're not putting him on offense because they want him to focus on defense now. Yeah. I don't know. If that's the case, give him his number back. And David Jones asked, what is Henderson's injury slash issue? It is an ankle. And I was just, if you saw me on the video, I was looking at my phone because Brian and I were texting about it. Uh, and I wanted, with the, with multiple injuries, I wanted to make sure that I said the right injury. It, it, was, it, it is an ankle, though. And he was at the game, and I believe he was wearing, you know, he had his jersey on and a pair of shorts, I, I think, okay. in the pregame. I think somebody had a picture of him, you know, down there on the field, and, and and he did have, you know, kind of an ankle thing on. So I don't think that it's, you know, like it's it's not like season threatening right. or anything like that. It'll be, you know, that'll be something I'm sure that'll come up Monday, you know, once the next press conference oh, rolls sure. around, you know, availability and yeah, because we haven't had kind of stuff, so. have we not had any availability this week because it's the bye week, right? Exactly, okay. exactly, gotcha. and that's you know that's that's normal. You know, not to have the availability. Oh, absolutely. I just wanted you know. to confirm because I, you know, again, new regime. So you never right. know what they're going to do. Right. Exactly. All right. Maltavius. We need to uh, a super chat. We need to trust the coaching staff on which freshmen will and will not play. If my memory serves me right, all Fisher, Mayer, all started as true freshmen. Yeah. I mean, at different points, you know, that's that's fair as well. So it's not just offense versus defense thing um you know alt obviously as the season progressed worked his way in fisher was the starter at left tackle going into last season mayor let's be honest mayor is just a stud yeah. and mayor was ready to play right <laughs> right away right yeah and i mean you know so you know again if we're to, if we're to take them at their word for you know trust and are they ready to go and all that they've obviously there, there have been some instances but receiver has been the recurring theme yeah over time in terms of talent versus you know knowing the the playbook and and that kind of stuff i mean anything more to add to that no i you pretty much nailed it there okay i i, I completely agree with you those were ob alt well he i mean he started because they were running out of tackles i mean that that they had started what he was the third third or fourth tackle to start last year and he he was the one that obviously outside of Fisher because he got injured he was the one that played the best and so they ended up sticking with him but he was one of the last ones on the list at that point so i don't know that i can give a whole lot of credit to anybody for like finding joe alt and making him a starter it was like well you're next get on in there and he ended up you know proving every proving to everybody that he could do the job so yeah and again that was as the season wore you know right. like Right. To their credit, they didn't just stick with, well, this is the best we've got and we're not going to try anything. You know, they they obviously, as the season went on, like Christophic ended up replacing Correll at left guard. 
and you know they kind of revolve things a little bit right left tackle and you know again they didn't just throw him you know feet into the fire because well you're the next guy in you know let's let's go he worked his way into that and obviously proved you know at at some point you know and again one the offensive line is starting to round into form now again don't overreact based on North Carolina. Because, no doubt. <laughs> there, know, look, there, but, we're going to. You, know, you can still go back to Cal and say they were doing sure. better, you know, especially in the second half against Cal. And they're going to get a good test this coming week uh, when they play BYU because BYU is known for their physicality and their tough play and all of that. So you're going to get an idea of where this offensive line is after five games plus a bye week. And I think people are going to be pleasantly surprised. And it's as people, as many people have pointed out. The offensive line makes play calling a heck of a lot easier. We'll stick with the wide receivers since we're on it right now. We might as well, as I saw Irish Chi-Town, who always has some good questions. Vince, what can the wideouts do to help Drew Pine and the running game? Well, one thing they can do, they did in the last game compared to the first three games, is block somebody. That was very helpful in game four. The first three games, they just look completely uninterested in blocking, frankly. And that is a motivation problem. That is a, it's a coaching problem. Uh, It's just not okay. Like they were going out trying to lower shoulders into guys. And that is not how you block on the perimeter and in open space. That's, it's just not how you do it. So that's not blocking, baby. Stop blocking. blocking. Absolutely. Stalk progression, man. When I was in (laughs) high school, man, that is all we did when I was a player is stalk progression. You do it with your arms behind your back. You start on your knees, you know, and you, I mean, just it's, it's an everyday drill that we would do. So we would do it in a game. And so, you know, whether coach Stuckey was doing that with them or not, it was not translating to the field. They cleaned that up majorly in one week. And so that's number one. They just get out there and block somebody. Number two, yeah. they need to do a better job of getting separation. And that starts with getting off the line. They, they're still not great at getting off of the line. They're, they're, they lack moves. They lack good moves, frankly. Uh, they, they need to be able to get off the line, and they need to get better separation, and they need to run better routes, especially the ones where they're trying to stretch the field. So, for example, when they're trying to run a go route, you, have, you can't just release to the outside and run right down the sideline with nothing between you and the sideline. That does not give the quarterback any kind of a window to throw the football. You have to get off the line and you have to have some space between you and the sideline to give the quarterback some room to throw the ball where only you can catch it. And they're not doing a very good job of that. Braden Lindsay has been pushed out of bounds on routes. Uh, Lorenzo Styles has been pushed out of bounds on routes. They just they need to do a better job on those outside release routes. And that, like if you look at Lorenzo Styles, that touchdown reception he had the other day on that post, he was in the slot. Right. You know, like, I think that, you know, again, maybe some of this stuff can be discovered through self-scout. Like if they start, because I've always complimented Tommy Reese for playing to the strengths of the personnel that he has. I don't think sure. that he's done a great job of that from start to finish. So he started to do a better job of that. Again, the last couple of days is, or not last couple of days, last couple of games, mm-hmm. like, Styles in the slot, you know, like go back to the Fiesta Bowl. We saw more of that. Where, like, as an inside receiver, he seems to have produced more. Maybe that's maybe he needs to be inside more because of what you're just talking about. Yeah. You know, you're not going to get shoved out of bounds if you're playing in the slot, and that's right. that's where he's produced. Braden Lindsay, you know, jet sweep, and you know, some of those different kind of things where he can literally be a runner of the football, and he doesn't have to be a guy, you know, who's who's relied upon to get, you know, and again, like Jaden Thomas, why is he getting so many, you know, those kind of things. Like, I think if they start to, you know, sort of move them around and start to just play to their strengths, the strengths of where they have shown that they can excel, I think that that can be a big factor as well. Yeah, I completely agree. Moving guys around and finding matchups that are going going to be beneficial, not only from an offense versus defense standpoint, but from the way that your guys play. Right. And so if Lorenzo Styles plays better from the slot, move him inside. Yeah. And and I don't know, maybe bring Tobias Merriweather in and play outside. He's pretty good. I think he could be pretty good at it. Again, like if you can move Styles in and then have Tobias Merriweather outside, and we, we keep talking about this with with Merriweather, 
He doesn't have to know the the, the entire nope. offense. If you put him on the field on the outside and just say, run a go route, right. run a post, run a corner, whatever Absolutely. it happens to be, this is what you're going to do. Don't worry right. about altering routes and you know route reads and all that kind of stuff. Yep. You're going to go on the field. You're going to line up here. This is the route you're going to run. It doesn't got, have to be much more difficult than that. And I got one more point that I want to make. So what, what can the wide receivers do to make Pine better, right? This off, this this week off, right? They just need to work on their timing. They just need to work on their timing because that's huge. They, the, the wide receivers had, you know, all offseason in the spring to work on their timing with Tyler Buckner, and now he's gone. And so Drew Pine needs to get that timing down with these guys. He wasn't throwing to these guys as much. Because it was pretty much understood that Tyler Buckner was going to be the starter. So he they just need to get on the same page and they need to understand each other and all of that. And that just takes time. And having an opportunity to have a bye week right now is can be very beneficial to a wide receiver quarterback relationship. So just reps, just reps. I mean, that that's really what it comes down to. And so I, I think that that could definitely improve the pass game moving forward. Good breakdown there. Ian wants to know, do you think Jabron Payne gets any time this year in a game like UNLV or just give him the year to heal up? What do you think? Honestly, it just depends on where he's at from a healing standpoint. If he's not 100%, then absolutely not. What's the point? I mean, you can get him in four games and he can still redshirt this year. And right now they've got a pretty good three-headed monster at running back. They don't need a fourth guy moving forward for this year. So... To me, if he's 100% healthy and you're in a blowout situation or you're in a, you know, maybe give him a series here or there, I'm not doing more than four games, though, unless somebody gets hurt. Right. That's the only way that I think Jabron Payne sees the field this year is if one of the three guys is injured, like, for the season. Yeah. If it's just like If it's just like a week or two, they've already clearly shown that they can get by with two guys, right? So... Unless a guy's out for the season, I don't think Jabron Payne sees legitimate time in you know for this year. Yeah, I mean, we saw two games ago what Tyree and Estime could do right. without Logan Diggs in the mix. But then, you know, and I was skeptical of you know of of adding Logan Diggs Diggs to the mix based on that, even when he came too. back. But then last week we saw some great things, and yeah. it, and it all has to do with the fact that. I think Logan Diggs makes sense when you're playing him with another running back. There were 19 yeah. times where they had some form of, of two-back set, whether it was 21 or 22 personnel. And we saw a little bit of each. Diggs with one or the other of Tyree yeah. and Estime, they don't need to worry about getting Jabron Payne out there right now. And again, you know, like with Payne, I think the biggest thing with him is still blitz pickup and that kind of stuff. You sure. don't need to rush him along. And then, you know, the fact that, he did have injuries in high school and, and stuff like that, making sure just getting him stronger and another year under his yep. belt. I think he can be a great weapon, you know, you too? within the next couple of years, but it doesn't yes. have to be right now because they've got enough other backs right. who've shown that they can produce. Because I, Yeah, I, I agree with you. I still feel like he's a little small, to be honest with you. It, now, yeah. could he go in there and give you some quality carries? He's got some great quads. Sure. Now, don't get me wrong. Right. He's got some great quads, but you're but right, it, like upper body upper and body. stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. I, he could definitely use a year in the weight room to kind of – as. As our buddy Brian Kelly used to say, put on the armor. Like that, that's, that's right. kind of where he needs to be at the moment. But we'll see. <sighs> I'm looking through some other stuff here. There were a couple that I saw. Let's let's go with this one right now, since we've been talking so much about the offense. We all want a great quarterback, right? Yes. If this year's team had Brady Quinn, the 05 version, as the starter, how do you think the season would go? I mean, quite honestly, I, I think they'd be a college football playoff team if they had Brady yes. Quinn with what they have. Out absolutely, there. absolutely agree. So, yeah, I'm with you. I don't, I don't even know what else to say to that. I, I'm with you 100. percent They, you know, no matter. I mean, right now, Tyler Buckner is not Brady Quinn, and Drew Pine is not Brady Quinn, right? I mean, I think we can all agree on that. And Brady Quinn was a championship level type quarterback. And they just didn't have the defense to kind of complement what they were doing offensively at the time. And so I absolutely agree with you. I think that they maybe they lose to Ohio State, but I did they definitely don't lose to Marshall. Um they definitely don't lose to Marshall. And so no. they are well in the conversation. They're a top five team, and they are in the conversation for a college football playoff. Yep. 
No doubt about it. I don't think there's much more yeah. to add to that. Uh, Quinn says, did you guys listen to the annoying Six Flag? <laughs> I thought we'd kind of throw this in here as an interlude, you know, just to kind of lighten things up a little bit before we get to, you know, some of the more serious questions. Did you guys <laughs> listen to the annoying Six Flags third down song we keep playing when forcing a punt? It's called We Like to Party by Venga Boys. Vince texted it to me the other day. Did someone send it to you? Where did yes. you find it? I believe it was Quinn. He, okay. he uh, sent it to me. I think it was a you know a PM on Twitter or something along those lines. But yeah, no, it was sent to me. I didn't go search we it out. Like, and, we uh, like to party. We like. We like. Oh my gosh. Yeah, and as soon as and it's like, yeah, that kind of sound. You know, again, I think we're fortunate that we get. <laughs> That we're sheltered and shielded off by the press box that we don't hear yes. that in its full effect. I think that that would get really annoying. It would. That, that I didn't realize they played it after every, you know, punning situation for the defense. I had no idea that they played it that much. I mean, yes, I recognize the song. Yes, I've heard it at the stadium. But I had zero clue that they did that every single time. I mean, I'm, you and I are both taking notes up there and we're kind of discussing things and we're doing stuff. And so, yeah, I think we are shielded a little bit from the noise, but... Yeah, uh, that would that would get on my nerves too, for sure. <laughs> yes, yes. Hulk strongest. I would like them to use Botello just to rush. I think he's saying the, the passer, password. not the password. I think that <laughs> he would make a difference. What do you guys think? I don't know that he's ready for that role. To be honest with you, I I, I feel like they kind of have somebody in that role already, and that's Maris. That's kind of what he's doing uh, from that type of a position. I don't think you need two of those guys because then you have two liabilities in the passing game, frankly. Uh, and I don't think that that's necessarily the route that you want to take. I, I did. I mean, could he benefit and maybe in a package here or there? Yes. But I don't know that he's kind of ready for that responsibility just yet. I agree. You know, I think that, I think that there are some situations <clears throat> Because of his athleticism, he's just such a good athlete. But we're sitting here now, he's a junior, and we keep saying this. So there are obviously things yeah. oh, that yeah. are not clicking in practice. And he does have, he's got his third set of eyes on him right now as well. He had Marcus Freeman last year. He's got Al Golden yeah. this year. So he's had different sets of eyes on him. So I don't think that it's like pre existing bias from one coach to the next. I, I, you know, there's just something that must not be clicking for him right or else we would see him and and look his his off the field you know issues are kind of well documented as far as him having them and you know i just don't think he's put it all together you know just the off the field the on the field i just don't know that he's put it all together and to be kind of an elite athlete at this level you kind of need all the pieces to be clicking i mean and and somebody mentioned manti teo and you know they were mentioning him in, in the context of adding brady and teo that you know they'd be uh, they get us a national championship right now. Okay, I, I agree with that. But from where I'm going to go with this is you, anybody that watched the Manti Teo documentary, when things kind of go went south for him off the field, it affected him on the field. It just you you kind of need everything working together in order to be successful. Of course, there are exceptions right. to every rule. Don't get me wrong, but I still feel like he hasn't really gotten everything pointed in the right direction. And so that's kind of what's holding him back just a little bit. Yeah. Salty, when in man coverage facing the receiver, why don't other defensive backs call out a ball in the air signal to the DB uh, so the DB can turn on it? Baseball outfielders communicate. It's a little bit more complicated than that, I think, uh, because you hear ball, ball, ball in the air. Number one, when you're on the road, it's really hard to, to hear in the middle of a play. I, and if I you're in man, you're, if you're in man, you're in man, you're your own guy. <laughs> and if you turn around too early, you're going to lose the guy too. And if you put your hands on him too much, then they're going to call pass interference. So, I mean, there is a fine line between, because you really want, what you want to do when you're in man is you want to turn around right when the ball gets there or just before so you can react to it, obviously. And so a lot of that has to do with looking at the receiver's eyes, looking at his hands, you know, those are the kind of tells that you want to use to look at the ball. Now, some receivers are really good at not giving that stuff away right away and all of those different things. So it's a little bit more nuanced than that. Of course, the sidelines are yelling. The DBs are yelling. We just can't hear it on TV. That That's happening. That's occurring. It's just, it's a little bit more nuanced than that, I would say. 
I agree. Tommy Guns 44, speaking of O-line, do they still give each other a little fist bump as they get to the line after breaking huddle? Has anyone noticed? I have not noticed. Do you? Have you noticed? They do. They do. It's it's kind of a tradition, you know, dating back a little ways. I think from Harry's first time uh, at Notre Dame, I think that's when it started, if I'm not mistaken. And they were doing it while he was gone, and I believe they are still doing it now. Somebody... The Quentin Nelson, Mike McGlinchey crew from like 2017 is the one I distinctly remember. Sure. I don't know if that's exactly where it started, but, but they've those been doing guys, it ever since. Like yeah, it's been a tradition. Yeah. It's one of the things that they they carry on, and they 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 actually feel that that's really important within their room. And so I, I'm almost positive that they do still do that. I'll have to keep an eye out the next game just to double check. Yeah. You guys surprised they use Tyree to wear out defenses and then have Estime pound them. I love the way they have done this the last oh, couple of games. Start yeah. them off. You've got this quick guy with so much speed and acceleration who also runs hard and right. you know and, and has been churning out yards these last couple of games. And then they come in <laughs> with that closer. I love the way they've done this. And you know, you know again, the way they've been able to work in the two back sets and all that and, and, and just set it up for this. I love the way they've done it. Yeah, me too. I, I absolutely, it just, yeah, it's been almost a revelation uh, where it, it may, it just makes so much sense that, and they weren't doing it kind of at the beginning. Right. It just makes so much sense that it's fantastic and it works exactly how I think we all envisioned and hoped that it would work. And I love it. And I hope they continue it, frankly. Yep. Super chat. Don't want to buy us nil jersey. I bought to be wasted. Well, so in other words, he's saying get to buy us on the field. I mean, it might be <laughs> might have to put it on mothballs for a year. I don't know that it'll be wasted completely. I just if they don't get him on the field, I do worry about him leaving. I do with in in the world that we live in of transferring and all of those different things. If he's not happy. Is he going to stick around? I mean, and I'm not, this is this is Vince talking. This is nothing that I'm hearing or anybody that I've talked to. There is, I probably started something now, but I'm just saying from an, an elite pass catching situation, he wants to play, right? I would think that he wants to play. Again, this is me talking. I, I would hope that that wouldn't move him to, to do something where he's not at Notre Dame next year. That's all I'm going to say. And, and, I, and again, that's me. That is not anything, you know, at all. I mean, he's got an NIL deal with Notre Dame, which I thought was pretty cool. Right. Uh, I saw that on social media the other day. So, I mean, he's taking advantage of being at Notre Dame. There's no doubt about that. So, I just hope they start taking advantage of him being at Notre Dame. Couldn't have said it better. Um <laughs> Sparkling Swan throwback 2012. I want you to take this one first. Alternate outcome if Kansas State won out that season, do you guys realize Notre Dame would have played them instead of Bama? What would the result have been? And I had kind of forgotten about that and I had to go look. Now, you got to realize you're talking to a Kansas guy. So like I'm not going to give you glowing things to say about Kansas <laughs> State. Although I will say, you've got to give Bill Snyder Sure. Because, you know, again, like when I grew up in like the 70s and 80s, both Kansas and Kansas State football were like the bottom of Division One. <laughs> you know, they were they were lucky. You know, it was like those two in Missouri. It was like, a you know, a little circle at the bottom of then the big eight to see, you know, who could sort of win, you know, because they were all rivals with each other because of where they sat and all that kind of stuff. And and. Uh, they lost to Baylor, though, actually, at the end of the season, and they ended up losing to Oregon in the bowl game. But I, I think Notre Dame wins a national championship if if Kansas State win, you know, and you know, not losing to Baylor, sure. they would have they would have been in a national championship game. You're absolutely right, and I think Notre Dame would have won a national championship yeah, in that case. I do too, and we'd probably be talking about Brian Kelly in a completely different manner to be honest with you and I, I realize it's one game over a 12-year span but winning a national championship changes a lot of things and yeah. I believe Notre Dame matched up really really well with that Kansas State team and I don't know yeah. that that Kansas State team be able to move the ball against Notre Dame's defense and I think their offense would have done enough to win that game and I think Notre Dame wins a national championship that year and that's scary because I feel like the 
the talent level drop off from Alabama to Kansas State is just so immense. But if they win that game, they're 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 in the championship game. I mean, it's yeah, I, I it's a lot of things would have been a lot different. Colin Klein, I, I was, it was taking me a little bit. Colin Klein was the quarterback for that year's team. Uh, you know, for that Kansas State Wildcat team, they barely. Again, I just went back and looked. They barely beat Oklahoma that season. They kind of squeaked it out. It was, you know, they had a solid defense, but Notre Dame athletically would have matched up so much better with them because I mean, Alabama had, I want to say it was Julio Jones on, on that team. Sounds right. Right. I I know that I know. And if not Julio Jones, Amari Cooper, they might've had both of them on that team. I'm trying to remember off the top of my head, but they had, you know, that was kind of the start of their NFL wide receiver run. You know, it was big difference, big difference. Yeah. No, if it gosh, would have been yes. Kansas State and not Alabama. Yes, oh, big time difference. Yes. Yep. Salty uh, question. Apparently, Freeman said on Merriweather, "quote trust," end quote, that he had to meet them halfway. I didn't understand that comment. How did you see it? <sighs> I hate, I mean, this is going to be like the fourth time I brought up Brian Kelly's name, but that sounds like a very (laughs) Brian Kelly statement to me, you know, talking about traits and, you know, that kind of stuff. And and it sounds to me, it sounds like an excuse. I I, I hate to say it, but it it sounds like an excuse as to why he's not getting on the field. That that's, that's what it sounds like to me. And it bothers me a lot of ways because I, what aren't you trusting? Like, I, w- I would want him to elaborate on that. Like, what what part of his game do you not trust? Is it something that's off the field? Is it in the classroom? Is it in the locker room? Is it the fact that it, does he not know how to run a slant? Does he not know how to run a go? Like, what what is it that we're not trusting here that is preventing him from getting on the field? It just yeah. It's just kind of a vague answer, which I don't like. From a coach's standpoint, what I would say, if I was saying trust, again, this is Vince as a coach. If I was saying I can't trust him, it would be I can't trust him to line up correctly. You know, I can't trust him to know whether he's supposed to be on the line of scrimmage or off the line of scrimmage, and therefore we're going to get a penalty. I don't trust him to go in motion when he's supposed to go in motion. You know, that would be what I would be talking about. I don't know if that's what Marcus Freeman is talking about. It, it seems like point. it seems like that's the kind of you know those yeah. kind of things. Like again, they're they, you know, like meeting them halfway. You know, it's like basically he's saying they're not going to put a wide receiver on the field until they know everything that they're supposed to know. It sounds right. like, but again, like we can go back to I've, I've talked about this again and again. The first couple years of Golden Tate's career, they did the things that I was talking about right. they lined him up yeah. next to the Notre Dame side you know there were times they would literally yeah. draw it up you know in the huddle yep. this is what you're going to do golden or they would have him stand you know regardless of where the formation was he would always be on the side you know closest to the Notre Dame sideline and they would you know call out what they wanted him to do from the sideline yeah. that kind of stuff you know if if you want to get talent on the field there are ways to do it and Absolutely and that's the way are. to do it uh, you know, Michael Hahn, Julio was in his rookie year with Atlanta, and it was Amari Cooper. Amari yes. Cooper was – I'm looking uh, at the box score now. So, yeah, yeah. And you can't forget about Eddie Lacy in the backfield. And yeah. TJ Yeldon had 21 carries in that game. I mean, yep, a lot, lot of obvious a lot of NFL names. talent. Yes. There's a lot of – and, you know, Barrett, uh, Barrett Jones, I think, you know, the All-American offensive lineman who played basically – That's right. He was a big boy. Every – he played every position on the Alabama offensive line. And, you know, that there was there was just a lot of talent. Yes. On that year's team. No yeah. doubt. And again, you know, there aren't too many Kansas State Wildcats. <laughs> you can rattle off the top of your head. I mean, but Kansas State would have been there. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, all right. I got to go back to the starred comments. And actually, I'm going to save that one because it kind of has to do with a a rapid fire question Ah. that we've got coming up tyler he asked this question last night and i didn't i I didn't get a chance to get to it my favorite duty station and he's he's talking about my time in the army and tyler is in the army 
as well. I only had one, technically one duties because I was only in for four years. So it's not like I was in for like 15 years and, you know, you typically rotate, you know, your duty stations every, you know, three years or, or some, you know, if you get transferred and, and that kind of stuff. So uh, field station Augsburg was my only permanent duty station. That was it. It was a good place to be celebrated uh, a few October fests. And the cool <laughs> thing about Germany, it's not just like, you know, October fest is the one, you know, that everyone talks about because it's the big one in Munich and, you know, and that whole thing. But the cool thing is like when you're in Germany from the time, like early spring, leading up to Oktoberfest, all the little towns have their own fest. Oh. It's basically like, you know, like the fairs that come to town. Yeah, but, yeah. But they have, you know, like the rides and all that stuff. And then you have, of course, the beer tent. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so that was always a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun in Bavaria down in, in Augsburg. Good Love times. it. Love Good it. Place to be. Good place to be. I would have loved to meet young army Sean Steyer's Eh, you might you not like. want to. <laughs> <laughs> I, you, you, I, if I do say so myself, I was a lot of fun back there. <laughs> I have single, no doubt. Single, you know, going out to the fests and, you know, some concerts and all that kind of stuff. We we had a heck of a time back in those days. <laughs> I have no doubt in my time. mind. <laughs> no doubt. <sighs> and then so there was another question what are you more confident in notre dame beating clemson and usc or the cowboys beating the eagles Ooh. twice Ooh, very good question and i will say this because i know that the eagles look like world beaters right now and i know that jalen hurts looks like and he's played very yeah. well third third so year that's kind of like a you know kind of a thing for nfl quarterbacks it's your right? third year and he's he's so far proving that to be the case that's right um I'll just say he hasn't played a defense like Dallas has Fair. so far. Like Dan Quinn in two years is has getting close to turning this into that, you know, it's not quite Legion of Boom levels because like they don't have, you know, the like those they they don't have the uh the safeties like the Seahawks had back in those Legion of Boom days and and like they don't have a Bobby Douglas. All they do have a Micah Parsons who they're asking to do a lot more than Bobby Douglas and some of those guys were doing back then. This is tough. I, I do feel confident that the Cowboys, especially if they get Dak back, will beat the Eagles at least once. You know, I don't know about twice. So I would say I'm a little more confident after watching Clemson the other yeah, day, I thought yeah. they're deep now. Now Wake Forest has a good offense, but I thought Clemson's defense was better. Than that, I thought Clemson was going to hold yeah. Wake Forest to a lot fewer points. USC schedule is really soft as well, you know. So like, and like, their schedule basically comes down to Notre Dame and Utah. And as, as far as the Pac-12 goes, it's Utah. So again, I'm confident the Cowboys can beat Philly at least once. I would have to say, as of right now, I'm more confident Notre Dame can pull pull off beating Clemson and USC than Dallas beating the Eagles twice. That's fair. I, I, you know, this one's obviously tough because based on a lot of what we've seen from Notre Dame and, you know, saying that Notre Dame is going to beat both Clemson and USC, it seems like we're crazy. It seems like we're crazy people. Right. And mm -hmm. I, I've been impressed with Notre Dame's ascension from week three to week four. I still need to see that continue it, it's hard for me to predict the Cowboys are going to win a ton just based on what their offense is you know, the, you know, not having Dak and, you know, all of that. I get all of that, too. They might get the, – they're close to getting Gallup back. If they can get a okay. – basically another is like C.D. Lamb has not been great so far. Noah Brown has kind of been a little bit of a surprise. He's had a good couple of games. because He's kind of like that – like maybe what we thought Drew Pine and Merriweather would be. You know, like yeah, they were on right, the right. practice squad together and came up and that kind of stuff. They get Gallup out there. I'm a little more confident. But. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. I, I mean, I would like to say Notre Dame here, but you know, it, it's, it's kind of an uneducated decision because I just don't know the Eagles and the Cowboys well enough to really speak intelligently about the NFL and about those two teams in particular. I know Notre Dame. I know they can beat those two teams. Now, will they? That's a completely different conversation. Yeah. They can. They have the ability to do so. And having Clemson at home and based on what I saw against Wake Forest, like you said, 
they're beatable. They're they're, yeah. they're very beatable. And USC, I'm still not impressed with their defense. Their offense is going to put up points. We said the same thing about North Carolina. So we'll see. You know, we're going to know a lot more about all of these teams as they move forward. Both of those games are in November. We have yet to hit October. So right. there's a lot of football yet to be played. You know, like I said, because you're saying beat the Eagles twice. Yes, right. That's where, you know, that you know, like the NFL, obviously, if you're in the division, you play them twice. I have confidence that they'll beat them at least once. Twice is another story. And that's why, you know, I, you know going back to Notre Dame, they keep getting a little bit better each time. They, you know, they've gotten better the last couple of games. Can they continue to, right. and you know, to go down that track? I do want to pull this one up because I do want to I want to address it. But Marcus Stanley says Ascension. Notre Dame played North Carolina, <laughs> a team that can't buy a defense. I'm not fair. disagreeing with you. Ascension just means they're better than they were. It, I'm not saying yeah. that they've ascended to being a top five team in the country. Ascension means rising. They were better in week four than they were in week three. Yeah. That, that's all I'm saying. And and it doesn't matter who they played against. The offensive line played better. Right. The offense played better. Yes, they were able to put up more points because it was North Carolina, but they were fundamentally better. That doesn't matter who you're playing when that's the case. Well, and with, you know, our show, we started off, Jesse and I yesterday, talking about has Notre Dame turned a corner? Have Marcus Freeman and Notre Dame turned a corner after after that? We both agreed there are signs yes. that maybe they're starting to turn a corner. But, you know, again, you have to you have to reel it in. You know, this Absolutely. is still a North Carolina. This is still after Ohio State, that was the best offense they've seen right. this season. And they, for the most part, shut that offense. You know, they didn't put the clamps down. There are four plays sure. if they, they sure. where if they don't give up, what was it, 200 and some yards on those four combined plays, <laughs> sure. even if they even if they only give up half of those, you know, two plays and a hundred yards, the game looks a lot different, you know. And mm -hmm. but the fact that they did, you know, there's still some some things to work on, but they're showing that they're getting close to turning a corner. They got to take care of business these next three games. Yeah, absolutely. And then get into Clemson and see who they really are. I think that's that's going to be the ultimate. You know, making sure they don't have another Marshall slip up. You know, that's going to show who they are as well. We're not going to fully, you know, throw our chips in on anything until right. that Clemson game. But if they if they screw up and have another. Marshall and lose one of these next three games, they're going to be even bigger questions that we're right. going to be asking about this. No team. doubt. Mark says, is the red shirt freshman phrase overused? Just call them sophomores. You know, like I, it, it wasn't that long ago where if you went to Notre Dame, really prior to Brian Kelly, you weren't even allowed to use the term right. red shirt. And Notre Dame still doesn't use it, but. Right. It, it is more prevalent now than it ever was. Right. Because they say, like, here's what their year is, slash, here's what their eligibility Correct. is. Correct. So technically, Notre Dame still doesn't call them red shirts. No. But yeah. But, and I personally, I hate that phrase. I'll be honest with you. I don't, you don't like, like the term red shirt. I don't because when somebody's a sophomore and everybody's just called, they don't, they generally lop off the red shirt part. You know what I mean? So, so. It's always oh they did this their freshman year. It's not their freshman year. It's their sophomore year. Like that. Right. That's my right. biggest issue because it's not like you they get it more in broadcasts. I think because it's sure. a generally accepted phrase across college football, except at Notre Dame. Really. <laughs> right? And that and that's fair. It's just I don't like the term because you're a sophomore. You've been there for two years. Your second year is your sophomore year. You're you know like. My my son is going to be a redshirt freshman. He's a redshirt freshman on the football team because he didn't play varsity his freshman year. You know what I mean? Like it's just you're there your second year. You're a sophomore. It is what it is, you know. And then if you if you go beyond four years, you can say fifth year. You can say graduate student, just like Notre Dame does. I'm not saying Notre Dame does everything right, but in this regard, I just when they call somebody a freshman, you never know whether they're actually a freshman or whether they're a sophomore or whatever. I find that to be frustrating. Just yeah. make it all the same. You're a second-year player, you're a sophomore. Going back to the old uh, Army talk, uh, Irish Shytown says, my uncle was a guard on oh, the wow. Berlin Wall. And I was actually, when I was I was talking about being at, at Field Station, Augsburg, I was there when the wall came down and all that stuff. So, like, I got there in, I think it was 
February 89, and I was there until August 91 is when, you know, like all the stuff in Kuwait was going on mm -hmm. and, and all that kind of stuff originally. But in the middle there is when the wall came down. And so obviously then, you know, like, so when we got there, it was still Eastern Bloc. And that's what we were there doing. Like we were, we were listening to, you know, everything that was going on in, you know, behind the Iron Curtain. And then the wall came down. We got to go to, we like, we went to Czechoslovakia. We got to go into Prague a couple times, which is really cool. And one of the times we went to, I think it was the first time we went to Prague, President George H.W. Bush was there. And like, we just happened to be there that weekend. And he was there and like the whole downtown Prague, it was just wall to wall people, you know, like listening to President Bush talk. And, you know, so like, that was pretty cool. And then we actually... There was uh, the Pink Floyd did um, a concert at Potsdamer Platz in Berlin. It was like a big thing. And I've got the a DVD, actually. But, you know, so again, it was like after the wall came down and we uh, we drove up there and a couple carloads of us and we we got to uh, to see that concert. So that was pretty. That's cool. awesome. Yeah. All in a former life, man. Yeah. Most importantly, when we went to Prague, we brought back a lot of beer. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. It's the important stuff. Priorities. Right? Priorities. <laughs> That's right. Great. That's right. God Country Notre Dame oh. Barbecue wants to know what our favorite sandwich is. He says his is Reuben with smoked corned beef the way it was intended. The way it was intended. I like that. I do like a good Reuben. And I would say at one point, the Reuben was probably my favorite. Now, like, throw out the sauerkraut. I just like a nice, hot pastrami sandwich mm. on rice a pastrami little uh swiss on there with some yellow mustard that's probably my favorite sandwich right so are we talking like a hot sandwich like uh oh, you know I, I, i'm like a sandwich like a philly like. cheesesteak sandwich i'm a big that's fan now I've, ne I've never big been fan. to well i've been to philly but i was a kid so i can't say that i've had like an authentic you know philly cheesesteak sandwich you know what i mean but like I, I do enjoy all of those ingredients in a sandwich. So my I, mouth is starting to water right I, now. I'm sure somebody's going to be like, well, you've never really even had one, but I would love to. I just haven't been to Philly since I was a child. And, and But if we're going cold cuts, I, I'm just like a ham and cheese kind of guy, man. I have to mention this. Stymie says, those of us Gen Xers have been very fortunate to witness a lot of historical moments as well as advancements in technology. And I forgot to mention... Last night, uh, Vigo called me a boomer, and I took great offense Ooh. to that. Vince and I are both, we're separated by a few years, but we're both, yep. we're barely both made Xers. It. And yeah, and I'm like, I'm like a couple years, you know, couple years past the, you know, the, uh, the boomer. My parents were both baby boomers, but I am, yes. I am uh, a Gen Xer, and I've always given Vince a hard time because <laughs> he's right on the right on Gen the X millennial cutoff. So we're, we're both kind of on the cutoffs, but we are both Gen Xers. Yes, a few years I, apart. I will go to my grave denying that I will ever be a millennial. Like that is not who I am. That is I. I identify with the Gen Xers, like in my life and the way I do things. I, I cannot be no, cannot be a millennial. I, and I've done the research, and the majority of the research I can find says I'm a Gen Xer, and I'm sticking with it, man, because I can't do the millennial thing <laughs> that's cool. right usma says he was bomberg 89 to 91 oh we were in nuremberg on unification day very cool so we were basically there we were in country in germany at the same time just in different places i was south in in augsburg and uh usma was in bomberg up farther north and a, a buddy of mine from from back home uh he was the best man at my wedding a few years later you know after we were both out but he was in frankfurt at the hmm. same time you know so he was he was up there as well so all right all those all those good old army days <laughs> germany was a good place to be but uh quinn says gen z for the win jesse is a gen z yeah yeah you guys are kids you guys are young kiddos man and usma also says gino's is the best that's something i gotta do like you said i've never um, I've been to Philly a couple times, but never got the actual, right? You know, like Geno's or Pats or any of that kind of stuff. Yeah. We need to do we, that. We need sometime. to do that. That needs to happen. That's Notre right. Dame needs to play somebody in Philly, and we'll just go. You and me, we'll go. There you go, baby. Let's see. 
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.